This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Words have power. How we speak and how we're spoken to impacts our lives. This is especially true of mass media, which is our window on the world around us. Most news media, newspapers, magazines, broadcast, and new media use what's called the Associated Press Style Book in writing. It's been around since 1953, and it's designed to provide a uniformity of writing style. It's mostly concerned with grammar and other language conventions. Every year, the style book is updated to reflect changes in language uses. But this year's changes are problematic. Instead of listing when to use numerals instead of spelling out numbers or proper use of commas or when to use abbreviations, the latest changes seem to reflect an agenda. As examples, the phrase pro-life is no longer used. Instead, it's anti-abortion. And the word abortionist is now also discouraged, with the phrase abortion provider being recommended instead. Why is this happening? And what does it mean? I discuss this with Rachel Alexander, senior editor of The Stream, on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. The Oregon State Legislature has passed a tax bill to make abortion free for all. Tax-funded abortions for both residents and non-residents throughout the state is the goal of the bill, which now goes to Democratic Governor Kate Brown's desk. The law would force health insurers to cover abortions without any copay and give more than $10 million for abortions and other reproductive services to Medicaid. A federal judge has blocked enforcement of a new Illinois law that requires pregnancy resource centers to promote and facilitate abortions. U.S. District Judge Frederick Coppola issued a preliminary injunction last week against the statute, which was adopted by the Illinois legislature last year and signed into law by Governor Bruce Rauner. That law required agencies and medical professionals serving pregnant women to advise them that abortion is a treatment option for pregnancy and to outline the benefits of obtaining an abortion. The law also required pregnancy resource centers to provide women with a list of providers that they reasonably believe may offer abortions. Judge Coppola concluded that the law is likely unconstitutional because it mandates compelled government speech in violation of the free speech clause of the First Amendment. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Minister of International Development, Marie-Claude Bibeau, defended Trudeau's focus on abortion and contraception rather than famine relief in aid funding Tuesday, calling abortion a tool to end poverty. Bibeau was responding to a letter from Canadian bishops strongly objecting to this attempt to insinuate abortion advocacy in Canadian foreign policy. Russian officials have engaged in a disturbing trend of religious persecution, according to the State Department. Those rights have been curtailed in Russia under legislation officially designed to combat terrorism, which contains provisions restricting missionary work by religious minorities. Jehovah's Witnesses, famous for going door-to-door in search of converts, have been branded an extremist group and have seen their property confiscated by the state. A small Minnesota town is getting a lot of attention for a satanic monument coming to their veterans park. 
The monument going up for the Satanic Temple, which features an upturned helmet atop a black cube, will soon be at the site of the Veterans Memorial Park in Belle Plaine. It is being built by a group of Satanists out of Massachusetts, and it will be the first Satanic monument on public property in United States history. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of Rural Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Ms. Rachel Alexander. Ms. Alexander, could you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you represent? Hi, yeah. Um, I am a recovering attorney who has switched into journalism in the last few years, and I now write and am an editor, senior editor, with the stream, that's stream.org, and that is a conservative publication that started a couple, two and a half years ago, championing um, principles of free markets and liberty and Judeo-Christian values. And um, I basically just uh, have a lot of interest and hobbies from investigative reporting um, to um, weightlifting. Well, the reason we're, that we're speaking is because specifically of journalism. I am a journalist by training. I have a master's of journalism from Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism. Uh, I've been a practicing journalist for probably about 40 years. And you wrote an article on what is known as the AP Style Book. Now, I think the audience may not be fully aware of what the impact is of the AP style book and what these changes may imply. How do you see the AP style book? And then I'll tell you my interpretation. Well, you know, I like to see the AP style book, it, you know, started out as a guide for stylistic things for journalists, reporters across the country, you know, how you your capitalization, your punctuation, your commas, keep everybody on the same page. But unfortunately, since I got into journalism and started studying the AP Style book a few years ago, I noticed that it's expanded beyond just these technical things into more substantive uh, direction, which is changing our word choices. And it has basically tells you you need to use these words that are unfavorable to conservatives but favorable to liberals is essentially what it's doing. It's, it's sanitizing um, the English language. Well, it's, uh, it's been around since 1953, the style book, and of course the Associated Press itself for more than a century. It, the style book is sometimes referred to as the journalist's Bible. And I had one of these as soon as I got into the business. In fact, even before that, when I was in grad school. And this book is literally the guide for every major organization, communications organization in the country. Whether people realize it or not, whether it's broadcast, magazine, marketing department, PR, newspaper, it doesn't matter. They all use the AP style guide. And the idea was, as you pointed out, really, to... Get some commonality in uh, communications, everything from, gee, when do you use numbers or numerals? When do you capitalize? What can you do for abbreviation? Things along that line. And for many years, it was, in my view at any rate, very, very neutral. It was strictly what the name implied. It was a style guide. The importance of it, it's difficult to under to underestimate, to overstate that, excuse me. For example, when a person writes a story... That person doesn't determine what gets pro get, gets published or aired. It will go to a copy editor, who then has this AP style guide with them and will change that copy 
to match the style. And then, of course, it can be changed by another editor who will, who will review it. And uh, then it will possibly see print or be broadcast. But the point is, is that it is always filtered through this AP style book. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. And I would just add to that, um, one thing that put me off for writing this article is a friend of mine who's also a journalist told me that he had submitted an article to a very popular mainstream publication, and it was on a pro-life topic, and he used the word pro-life many times throughout the article, and the editors there went and changed every instance of his word pro-life to anti-abortion. Absolutely. And what happens with the style guide, with the style book, is that it is updated every year. And, of course, there's some there's need for that. The language changes, the technology changes, everything from, gee, do you uppercase or lowercase internet? Is uh, webmail or email, is that, is that hyphenated or is that one word? You know, it's little things like that. But the latest update has had some really striking changes in it. For You just pointed out, for example, that they no longer use the term pro-life or anti-abortion. It's uh, anti-abortion rights, some things along that line. And one of the arguments used that, well, gee, you know, people who claim that they're pro-life may also be against uh, certain government health care fundings. Therefore, they can't call themselves really pro-life, which I find a rather specious argument, but uh, that's what they do. Other thing is that you cannot use the term abortionist any longer. It's abortion provider because the term abortionist will only refers to people who perform clandestine or unsafe abortions. And what about pro-choice? You can't even use pro-choice anymore. I mean, what's the reason even there? Yeah, yeah your pro-abortion rights is, is I yeah. think, is the right phrase that they, are, that they are attempting to use. I have a very difficult time seeing this as being a neutral change. I know that most of my colleagues in the media when I was uh, a practicing reporter were to either apolitical or to the left of center. There were very few conservatives in the newsrooms, although I did know a few. But this is just, I, I just cannot see this as being anything other than trying to stifle one point of view and boost another rather than presenting it in neutral, in neutral territory. Well, what's that phrase? You know, you control the language, you control society. And um, to me, it's very Orwellian, and um, you look at some of these, you know, word changes and choices, and some of them have continued to change and become more and more sanitized over the years, um, you know, especially how they refer to illegal immigrants. You know, that one's gone from illegal aliens, can't say that, can't say illegal, can't even say illegal immigrants or um, even migrants, it looks like, because that might be derogatory sounding about refugees. So it's not even really clear what, you know, you can call them now. But I think you do put an image in people's mind, you know, if it's something like anti-abortion, that puts a negative connotation in your mind. Pro would be a positive thing. So they get pro-abortion rights, but we get anti-abortion. I think what they're trying to do is, you know, indoctrinate a new generation that's going to grow up with these sanitized words. And um, it can't help but influence you, you know, when they use assault rifles and assault weapons mm. to describe a merely a, a semi-auto that has been modified slightly to make it shoot better. And it, people people think military, you know, fully auto because that's how we used to describe these, you know, fully automatic military weapons. And a lot of it, I think, is uh, perhaps willful ignorance on the part of some. I uh, tr 
here's an anecdote, but this is one I experienced. Uh, I used to be a, a, a copy editor with uh, a, a Gannett newspaper, one of the major publications. And the executive editor had approved a photo caption that used the phrase semi-automatic machine gun in reference to a weapon that a SWAT officer was holding. And I must have had five or six different exchanges with this guy trying to explain to him how that caption made no sense. <laughs> and he just contradictory. Yeah. And he just didn't get it. I actually said, you know, it's it's, it's like you're saying it's a manual automatic transmission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a former gun magazine editor. I, I did that for two years, my first journalism job. And so those ones really drive me nuts. And the problem is, is a lot of reporters, you know, since you point out they lean to the left, they don't even want to educate themselves about guns or learn. So they're just going to blindly put whatever, you know, the AP recommends. And, mm -hmm. and hopefully hopefully they even get what the AP recommends right because you don't know what they're talking about. And, and it goes beyond that as well. I remember one time I was covering a an event and there was a, there was a, a media booth I was sitting in. And one of the speakers was a Hispanic person who gave uh, a very vitriolic presentation and I remember saying, boy, if that's not a racist presentation. And the person sitting next to me said, oh, no, 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 that's not possible. Only whites can be racist. I mean, the reporter honestly believed that. Yeah, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And if you, um, you know, look at a lot of leading blacks, including conservative blacks like Ward Connerly, who I used to work for um, a few years ago, um, you know, they will be the first to tell you um, there are plenty of racist minorities. And, you know, some people call it reverse racism or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, sometimes they're racist against themselves. I mean, you know, racism can take many forms. And, um, I, and it's also just, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I think that in the last few years, especially under this Obama administration, there's been a lot of made-up racism uh, that doesn't exist. And, you know, one of my pet peeves is the left always tries to make conservatives out to look like uh, we're all white supremacists who want to preserve white supremacy and also that we want to keep women uh, home barefoot and pregnant. And my response to them is always the same. Um, I am a queer woman who never, never had any children of my own, and my boyfriend is black. And if you can't realize that I'm a standard conservative, you are living in a dream world. It's amazing to me how it, how that goes on, and there's so much of it that's happening now. Uh, there's a uh, there there is a another controversy that's related to this whole AP issue and and the, the quote fake news unquote uh, regarding the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, as you may be aware, the uh, the Attorney General uh, Mr. Sessions gave a speech before the Alliance Defending Freedom, and the. SPLC at the Southern Poverty Law Center says that it's a hate group dedicated to its deeply anti-gay. And this was quoted by AP. It was quoted by ABC, NBC News. I believe CBS did it. I know CNN did it. And the thing was, is that not one of those organizations asked for a response from the ADF. Not one. But, you know, the hypocrisy is is they will uh, demand that we get a response. On the other hand, like about my article, I yes. had this AP journalist tweet me and say, Ms. Alexander, when are you going to print a response and be fair and balanced from the AP to your article? 
And I thought, why are we held to a higher standard? You know, the AP didn't come and get us conservative perspective when they put out their AP style book changes. So why am I the conservative expected to show the other side? I mean, I, I have no obligation. I don't hold myself out to holding the other side. There's plenty of other liberals in the media that are going to, you know, expose the other side. And uh, plus, I'm, I'm an opinion writer as well. You know, half the stuff I write in my uh, uh, aspect as an opinion column is not a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it is that you are an opinion columnist you have a point of view that you're putting across that's always understood that's not a problem uh clarence clarence blow has it for the left or others like that and again that's understandable but the ap guide is designed for journalists for reporters for editors who are supposed to be reporting the news and the facts and, uh, you know, when I went to J school, that was the Bible. It still is the Bible. And things that were pounded into my head repeatedly were that my opinion didn't matter. Not when I'm writing a news story. It doesn't matter if I'm pro-choice, if I'm pro-abortion. It doesn't matter. And the- but, it's, but, it is, but it is getting scary, though, because, for example, with the stream, you know, we don't agree with a lot of these AP style changes, so we don't adhere to some of if we have to run an Associated Press article, we're not allowed to modify it, but we're allowed to cut parts out of it. So, you know, we, we try to work with it. But it's getting to the point where, we, you know, we could get in trouble because, for example, um, the most recent change since my um, uh, original article was written is that you have to use the gender pronoun that people want to be called by. So if you're somebody who doesn't identify as a woman or a male and you want to be called they, you have to call that person they. And there's laws now increasingly being passed that are making it illegal not to use the term the person wants. I know there's a law passed in New York City. There's one that's about to pass in Canada. And, um, and that you know, at the stream, we don't do that. We call the person by the gender they were born with. Well, for example, uh, one of the changes that was made in AP are the words gender and sex. Now, when I first became a reporter, that was very explicitly pointed out in the AP Style Guide. Gender referred to man or woman. Sex was the physical act. Now they have changed it around, where gender is what the person identifies as. <laughs> you know, and where, uh, where, pardon me, the other way around. Gender is, is the biological uh, version where sex is what they call themselves, what they believe themselves to be. Uh, a very, very marked change you know the ap is really really going back on itself there yeah i mean sometimes you, you can't even comprehend the changes in how they're making them and, and there's been a lot of development um in that similar area you know you can no longer say transsexual the word is now transgender um uh, it, 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 in that area, is, is changing so quickly. I mean, how do you even keep up? You know, what was okay to use a few months ago, you know, is probably going to be changed again in another couple months. You know, as soon as a, a word develops a stigma that they don't like, um, you know, on the left, then they change that word. I mean, you can trace the environmental movement, you know, from using the words environmental to green to, you know, glo- global warming and, um, you know, now it's climate change is, you know, one of the most popular environmental words. You know, because uh, some, uh, some of the evidence no longer supports warming, so they, ch- they call it climate change. And that I, re- I remember back in the 70s, people were talking about the coming ice age. And, oh, that was settled science, too. Well, and, and, and the rest of the terminology there is, is pretty bad. I think it's some of the worst changes they've made. They, 
if you disagree that man is causing global warming, you're supposed to be um, called climate change doubter, not even skeptic, or those who reject mainstream climate science, making you look like you're fringe if you, you know, doubt that. In fact, there is even an equivalency between that and, say, Holocaust denial. Right, right. You see, it's very insidious how they're doing it. And um, it's. It, I just wonder where we're going to go from there, because in a few months, you know, climate change uh, doubters are probably, you know, not going to be in vogue anymore. Well, it will change. I think there's no doubt about that. The question, I think, is how it will change and why it is going to change. Now, I will say, I don't think that there's any giant conspiracy here. I don't see these people getting together and saying, oh, this is how we're going to advance this cause. I think it's just a cultural thing. They truly believe this, that they are being reasonable and and straightforward, and uh, they just dismiss the views of anyone else. To them, uh, perhaps that is the version of neutrality. I don't see it, but... Maybe that's the mindset on it. I definitely agree with you there that it's not like a conspiracy. There just is a large group of people in this journalism field, um, a lot of the you know busybodies who run the AP style books, um, who do feel this way. And as evidence of that, look at the zealots out there who go beyond the AP style book to make the language even more left-wing than the AP style book calls for. And in my article, I've got a couple examples of this where... The style book says try to avoid the terms right-wing and left-wing and controversial. But these journalists, you can see them in their articles every day. They're always using the word right-wing to describe the right, and they and they do it to describe anyone from, you know, us conservatives to violent, you know, right-wing extremists, kind of trying to blur the line there. And then they're always using that word controversial to describe conservatives. They do. And it's... Uh... I, I noticed, for example, in our, old, in our own hometown newspaper here in St. Louis, the, one of the running gags is if you find a politician who is, uh, in the story, is accused of misdoing and they don't list his party reference, you know that person's going to be a Democrat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Well, I, I've always felt that the way the left gets anywhere is by deception, because if people you know, really knew everything about their side, there wouldn't be as many leftists, and so they... They hide and they disguise and they smear and they, you know, I think some of them are just as so dishonest, they make things up. That and the new concept that we're running into more increasingly, the idea that hate speech, whatever that is, is not somehow protected by the First Amendment. And who defines what is hateful? Who defines what is hate speech? That is a frightening development to me. I remember when I first heard the expression, I think it was back in the 90s, I said, this is going to be trouble. Well, and it's, it's, it's way out of control with all the, you know, the trigger warnings and the safe spaces. I mean, when you look at all the lists that have come out of trigger warnings, it's, I mean, it doesn't even look like hate speech. It looks, just looks like normal things that people have been saying maybe as cliches for years. And, and now this stuff is, you know, can get people into trouble. You could get kicked out of academia for, you know, saying something, the wrong thing, or... Again, they're, they're increasingly making these laws against it, making it illegal, you know, just like not calling someone they wants to be called they. I don't even know if, if that's even considered hate speech or how they're, they're you know, getting away with uh, making that illegal. But it certainly is an infringement on the First Amendment. Well, I also think to draw an analogy, uh, I'm sure you've read 1984. Remember our hero in that, uh, Winston Smith, 
was a dictionary editor. Remember that? About how the oh yeah yeah about how the the ruling party there Ingsoc English socialism was changing the way the language is spoken so such concepts as free could not translate. You might be able to say my dog is free from free of fleas, but I'm free it would make no sense. And that's I think what we're seeing here, intentional or not. We're in the, welcome to the world of insect. Yeah, I know. The Orwellian parallels are, are terrifying, and they're more and more every day. And I feel many times like I am dancing around on tiptoes to avoid um, being attacked for writing the wrong thing. And I see so many of my fellow conservative columnists, you know, losing their jobs or um, having, you know, getting massive attacks on Twitter, you know, people calling for their heads, you know, uh, figuratively, um, for things they have written that, you know, people thought went too far. And, you know, so far I've been safe because I, I try to write more about my idol, William F. Buckley Jr., and so I, I try to not be so combative and in your face as some conservative writers, so I'm, I've been safe. But um, hey, You're Rachel Alexander, I, not Ann Coulter. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> People tried to make me the Ann Coulter of Arizona there for a while, but it's just not my style. So it's it's kept me safe. And um, but I am. I, I'm telling you, every time I write an article, I always try to get even if it's not for the stream. You know, I I get my parents to look it over to make sure I'm not saying something out there that is so offensive that you know the word police are going to come after me. Ms. Alexander, we're running out of time. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? Well, maybe just that. Uh, the other newspapers also have their own style guide, which is the New York Times, and I have an article on that, which I link to, and it is about as biased as the AP style guide. So it doesn't matter even if they don't follow AP style, they've got their own bias guide. That's true. And in many of these uh, the guides, for example, I know the LA Times has its own guide as well, are based off the AP. It's like 90% AP. So. They are. They are. Like the New York Times one, I mean, it is, it's so similar. I mean, the differences really are negligible. Ms. Alexander, thank you so much for being with the program. This is a very important issue, and I think people are a little bit under, uh, not aware of just how vital this is. And it is part of a subtle war in the, on the culture. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. God bless. And you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.